Does your life feel like a crazy roller coaster ride filled with twists and turns and times that leave you in a funk? Well, it's time to get the funk out. Tune in to the Get the Funk Out Show to hear stories of inspiration and change, new creative directions, and surprising twists and turns in this crazy roller coaster ride called life. Mondays at 9 a.m. on KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine and streaming live on www.kuci.org. For more information, visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. All right, let's try that once more. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm your host, Janine, and we're listening. you're listening to Get the Funk Out. We're joined by Jimmy Steinfeld. Hi, Janine. How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm doing really good. Great. Sorry about the little glitch. It's Monday morning. Correct. No problem. <laughs> So you have a really interesting uh, backstory. I met you at the Larry King event with Garda Hart, and yeah. um, that was a really exciting event. He was being honored for his uh, work with heart disease and his heart foundation. And I was wondering if you could tell the listeners about your backstory. Sure. Uh, I had a photo studio um, back east in Minneapolis for many years where I worked with a lot of rock and roll legends. And uh, at a certain point, I decided, hey, I need to push the envelope. I need to be, uh, nice. well, either in New York or L.A. or maybe Nashville. And uh, I moved my studio here to Los Angeles. And uh, by the way, am I coming through good? You were great. You were great. And so I opened my studio here in Los Angeles uh, about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a really cool sort of a New York studio loft in um, Culver City. And uh, it was uh, vacant and a mess, but I whipped it into shape and turned it into a really cool studio where I photographed a lot of uh, great artists and uh, did album covers. And that really was the major reason that um, I moved my studio to Los Angeles Mm -hmm. was uh, so I could uh, do more and more uh, album covers. Let, let me back up a second. How did you decide photography was your thing? Well, I'm really glad you asked that because I talk about that uh, at great length in my new book, which, may I mention it? Yes, please, because it sounds amazing. It's uh, Jimmy Steinfeld, Rock and Roll Lens. The subtitle is 30 Years of Music, Photography, and Stories. And by the way, it's available at jimmysteinfeld.com in the first edition. And um, when those are gone, they're gone. And did you have like all these moments of pinch me? I can't believe I'm taking a picture of all these incredible, you know, rock and roll guitar gods. Absolutely, that's that's absolutely true. <laughs> uh, so um, your question was, how did I yeah, figure did, out that, this that was I your wanted thing. to do this? Yes, and um, I'd say the pivotal moment, and I talk about it in my book, is um, I was photographing a Stevie Nicks concert, mm-hmm. uh, and. I had really never photographed a concert indoors before. I'd photographed some outdoor shows where you have, you know, available light, natural light, sunlight. But indoors was sort of a different matter. Kodak had just come out with a new film that was good for low light. I bought a roll of it. Remember film? Yeah. And uh, I photographed the show. I had no idea if any of the photos turned out at all. Oh, and I got the pictures back from the lab. 
Remember when we had to go to lab? Lab, yes. And the pictures were great. And really, I would say at that moment, I realized I was a music photographer. Nice, nice. Was it something you always did as a kid? Like we, we'd go to a show and you'd just be snapping away? Uh, I started shooting concerts um, only a few years previous to that experience I just described, but I had been taking pictures uh, since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the first pictures I took were of cars, not the band, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, cars, which I always loved. And, um, yeah, so I was snapping away uh, here and there, but it really wasn't until um, I started uh, combining my uh, love of photography and music that uh, was clear that that would be my career. That's great. That's great. Now, the theme of the show is Get the Funk Out. Now, do you mind, do you have any moments you want to share with us? We've dealt with a personal and professional funk and, you know, how you dealt with it. Sure. Um, as a matter of fact, probably the best example um, would be when I first moved here to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question that was a professional funk. Yeah. Um, I moved here. I didn't know really hardly anybody. few people I had met through the years um, when I was back east were located here. But um, uh, that was challenging. Uh, I, I would say that uh, kind of the way I got myself out of that uh, professional funk was I really concentrated on my goal of shooting album covers. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I had shot some previously. I'd shot thousands of concerts, but it was important to uh, to stay concentrated on on that goal, and it required uh, building out a new studio and. That process alone kind of helped get me through things. Um, that was sort of a, a daily goal. What can I get done right. with the studio today with the long-range goal being out there ahead? Um, I also did things such as I, I took a early morning bicycle ride every day from Culver City to the beach. Nice. Back. And uh, that was great. Uh, so uh, certain things like that uh, helped uh, move things forward, kind of get me out of that funk. Also, Los Angeles has so many great live venues. They do. Uh, and it's not only, obviously, great places to do photography for a photographer, but um, it's uh, a chance to meet people in the industry, be it the bands themselves or their managers, their agents, and so on. Uh, and getting out there, meeting those people, uh, knowing that I could do here in L.A. what I had done back east, that I could replicate that by just getting out there. Um, and by the way, that was a pretty happen. bold move going from east to west and just kind of starting anew. And I could see how you'd be in a professional funk because, you know, you're just you're just starting over. Yeah, exactly. So, so how did things go for you? Was it pretty smooth sailing or was it kind of rocky? How did it go with your career when you kicked it off here? Well, it, it started out rocky. Mm-hmm. Um I uh, remember one uh, break, however, that really did help. There was, uh, and I've always done the following for most of my career. I go to the magazine rack, Mm -hmm. and I look for uh, the new music-oriented magazines. And I contact them and say, hey, I'm here. I'd love to work with you. And there was a new uh, magazine that had come out called Rock Love which has since gone out of print. I never heard of it. And I contacted them. They never heard of me. Uh, I, they were brand new. I didn't know much about them. And they sent me 
uh, to a lot of really cool shows, and they had uh, pretty established artists come to my studio nice. to do sessions. And uh, that helped smooth out what previously had been kind of a rocky road. Um, and I was able to do sessions uh, at Capitol Records. Uh, I was able to do sessions with uh, some of these famous artists that would come to my studio. And things started to move along, let's say, at a quicker pace. How soon did that happen when you moved out here? Within a year or a couple years? That happened, I'd say, within a year. Wow, Jimmy, that's incredible. Wow. And so, Sue, who were some of the initial uh, rock and roll artists that you were uh, taking pictures of? Well, uh, some of the people that came to my studio in Culver City were uh, Frank Black, Mm -hmm. uh, Paul Westerberg, uh, Jack Cassidy, the uh, bass player for the Jefferson Airplane. Right. Um, My gosh, uh, uh, the band Ba Wow Wow. Mm This is 15 years ago. I'm taxing my, my memory here. A lot of great people. I'll think of. I'll probably right. think of them as we go down <laughs> the line here. Um, and actually, the studio I built out with my own hands was was so successful that other photographers would uh, rent the studio to shoot their assignments. Um, and some famous people came through. Uh, the drummer for Kiss was working with his photographer. Very it was, cool. It was a cool time. Yeah, yeah. What year was this? This would have been uh, 96, 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And you're a self-taught photographer? That's true. How did that come about? I mean, you never took any classes? No, I never took any classes. Um, there were some uh, photographer friends of mine, accomplished photographers, who uh, worked primarily in the studio, who uh, gave me uh, some, uh, well, if you will, one-on-one lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Basically, it was you plug a light in here, you plug that into the wall, you point the lamp in the right direction, and you take a picture. And, of course, back then we used Polaroids to see if the the shoot was going in the right direction. And if it was too bright, you told the talent to step farther back or you pulled the lamp farther away. You know, you just tweak things. Right. And... um, uh, you know, it, it took me a number of years of this uh, trial and error to get things dialed in, and uh, those people, uh, my old friends, uh, definitely helped me get on the right trail. But certainly with regards to concert photography, uh, I don't know, I just had a knack of, of being in that uh, situation, um, whether it was a small venue like the Troubadour mm-hmm. or a large venue like the Staples Center, and um, uh, pointing and shooting so you're pretty much going out almost every night and shooting all these amazing performers all across L.A. That's true. What a life. I enjoy it. What a life. And now you had some uh, photos published in 85 in Spin Magazine. Tell me about that. That's correct. That was a pivotal part of my early career. Uh, and let's see, at that time um, I had been published just in a little local magazine um, and I wanted to push the envelope a bit. So, again, I went to the magazine rack, and there was this new magazine I'd never seen before called Spin Magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Madonna was on the first cover. That, that was not my shot, right. but it was. Uh, but that inspired me. Here's a new magazine, and I'm kind of new at this in, in the early 80s. So um, I contacted them, 
and uh, I said, I'm, I'm here in Minneapolis photographing all the bands, and uh, I'd like to contribute to your new magazine. And they said, well, we're pretty well covered with photographers, but um, we got an issue coming out, and we need a photograph of George Thorogood. You, you wouldn't have anything on him. Well, I had just photographed him. <laughs> so yeah, that was I great do. timing. Yeah, that's right? awesome. And I sent them the photo, and uh, that photo ran in uh, the next issue of Spin Magazine, and that was my first uh, photo in a national publication. That's incredible. And by the way, I'm looking, I'm, we're, I'm speaking from my uh, office here at the studio, mm-hmm. and I'm looking on my wall, and there's a copy of my first check from Spin Magazine. Oh, nice. You saved that. I saved I love the it. check, the envelope, <laughs> the whole nine yards. <laughs> Beautiful. And that same year, Rolling Stone published one of your photographs of Madonna. How did that happen? That's correct. Well, I was so uh, excited about being published in Spin, uh, kind of gave me the uh, the nerve to contact Rolling Stone. Beautiful. And um, also this way I was able to say, I, you know, I'm published in the National Magazine. Right. Spin was located in New York and as was and is Rolling Stone. By the way, did you know that Rolling Stone started in San Francisco? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, but in any event, obviously, I've been in New York for a long, long time. Well, excuse me. At that time, was Spin bigger than Rolling Stone, or are they pretty equivalent? Uh, well, at that time, Rolling Stone was much, much bigger. bigger. Okay. And Spin was very new. This mm-hmm. was the, the first year of Spin. Because Rolling, uh, Rolling Stone has been around since when? I would guess, like, 1968. Okay, long time. And... So uh, Spin was trying to compete with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rolling Stone really didn't have uh, much in the way of major competition. There were a lot of other great music magazines, but um, uh, Rolling Stone was uh, really head and shoulders above everybody else. Mm -hmm. And uh, Spin uh, was uh, trying to take them on, have to compete with them. Uh, So when I called up Rolling Stone and I said, I just got a photo published in Spin, and I'd love to do photography for Rolling Stone, um, the photo editor said, well, just send us your portfolio. Uh, we'd be happy to look at it. Well, I didn't even have <laughs> what anyone would really call a yeah. portfolio. Right. I had, and I told them, I said, I don't have a portfolio. I, I have a bunch of 8x10s, and they said, send them. All right. So um, I had just photographed Madonna's first, uh, the Minneapolis stop of her first tour. And... Uh, I sent the pictures, a whole bunch of pictures, all kinds of different artists. Well, they called me back. Rolling Stone called me back and said, we love your pictures, particularly of Madonna and Prince, and uh, we're probably going to use them. So the year-end issue of Rolling Stone comes out, and there's my picture of Madonna. Unbelievable. Rolling Stone. (laughs) And uh, they didn't use my picture of Prince right then, but they did use that picture at a later date. So that was very exciting. That is very exciting. And um, uh, and that helped me in my career to be published in Rolling Stone. And then uh, Rolling Stone published a lot of my photographs through the years. That's great. That's great. So it all started with Spin and landed you in Rolling Stone. And, and now, did you ever have any lulls in your career because the technology has changed, or did you just pretty much, you know, keep it going? And- uh, that's a great question. Uh, I wouldn't really say I had any lulls in my career. But there was a big question mark uh, period of time. When am I going to switch to digital? And I think every professional photographer uh, had that challenge. Um, And I would say that I was pretty slow 
to make the change. Um, Why was that? I love film, mm-hmm. and if the budget is there, I'll still shoot film. Uh, but it's very expensive to shoot film. It's not only the cost of the film, it's the cost of processing it, uh, making proofs, making uh, custom prints, and then there's the time delay. You're, uh, today, the client expects to see the pictures at, like the next day or even the same day. Right, and that's impossible. Yeah, it's yeah. Impo- it's practically impossible yeah. with a with a film shoot. If you have a really fat budget, you can okay. rush an order and have it brought back by the end of the day. They can see proofs on film, but it's uh, that's unusual. Mm-hmm. But in any event, um, I became so uh, familiar with film and uh, the whole process of it, and the look of it, and I learned how to light for film. Uh, varies a little bit with digital. Um, I just didn't want to make that leap. And by the way, you may recall the early days of digital, uh, the quality uh, was not uh, up to par with film. Right, because of, the, what, the pixels? That's when you're, correct. Yeah. yeah, the pixel count was mm-hmm. uh, just too small to uh, be, be equivalent to uh, you know, the advances that had happened over 100 years with film. Right. Uh, but, of course, uh, that changed, and, and uh, the pixel count uh, is sufficient now that pretty much you can match, um, let's say, the important qualities of film. I, I still don't think it looks quite the same, um, and that's why if there's a really big budget, I prefer to shoot on film. But most of what I'm shooting now is digital. So there was that period of time where I was going, should I switch to digital? Is it good enough yet? And so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But I'd say it's almost 10 years ago that, that, you switched. that I switched and started shooting digital. And in fact, those first couple of shoots, I shot both side by side. I had both cameras. Oh, you did? And, uh, but when I saw that digital could do what I needed it to do, um, my film cameras are in semi-retirement. Well, it's something that you, you know, used all your life, and it, I can't see you just never using it again. Yeah. You know. And by the way, film uh, directors are facing the same situation. Because they're, they're trying to figure out if they're going to just shoot on all digital when they're producing films? That's correct. Mm-hmm. What is the advantage of staying with the original format? To me, um, there's, it's just something about the final look mm-hmm. of what you see on a printed uh, photographic print or on the screen Yes. in the case of a movie. And I still feel that I can tell the difference. Uh, it's, you know, it's sort of the difference between uh, uh, listening to a CD yes. or right. listening to a vinyl uh, album from the old days. Right. Um, there's uh, the analog, which is the old way, mm-hmm. non-digital. There's some kind of a warmth about it. Oh, I agree. I love listening to records. You know, I, ha- I actually have almost all of my records. Some of those could be valuable. Well, I, I hang them up on my wall as artwork, and you can always rotate them. So if you put them on a shelf and you've got all these really cool album covers, you're yes. not stuck looking at the same picture all the time, and you rotate them. Right. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. By the way, on behalf of all the uh, album cover photographers, I thank you for doing that. Well, it really is artwork, and I, I tell my kids that. I mean, and they're pretty amazed at what we have in our house because most people don't have albums. And sadly, a lot of people uh, don't even have much in the way of CDs anymore. 
That's incredible. It took me a long time to to move on to CD. I actually had all my tapes, and I I don't know. I just didn't want the expense at first, and you know. But that that amazes me, really. So most people don't have CD. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I think the younger generation is. Um, you know, moving uh, more and more towards downloads. Yes. And you walk around with your, your iPod. I yeah. mean, yes, you can have the artwork on your iPod or your iPhone or your computer, but um, it's not the same tactile experience as, as having a CD cover, at least where you could pull Actually, when they went to CDs, it was kind of cool for photographers like me because you had the booklet. Mm-hmm. And depending on the budget at the record label, you know, some of those booklets were pretty... Uh, pretty thick. I mean, there was a lot of uh, information about the band and a lot of photos. The album cover was great because it was so large. Yes. It was 12 by 12 inches, and you had a front cover, you had a back cover. Uh, frequently, you had a, uh, photographs on the sleeve, sometimes not. But um, it, the impact was uh, tremendous. Um, and the CD is about a quarter the size, but you had this advantage of putting in a whole lot of pictures. So it wasn't a bad trade-off, but with downloads, um, some of the photography aspect has gotten lost in the translation. Uh, You know what I think would be kind of fun? What? Would you like to know the names of the artists that are in my new book? I would love to talk about your new book. We're going to take a break in just a couple of minutes. um, Right. So you don't want want to wait until the after the break? I think that would be super. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you... So, so you moved on from analog to digital, and so is that primarily what you're doing now? Is you're doing, um, you know, all these shots for different magazines? What are you up to now? Uh, right now, I'm doing a lot of what I've always been doing. I'm shooting for magazines. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting for artists for their album covers. I'm shooting uh, concerts, of course, all the time. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, and uh, I not only shoot music. I do shoot. I do stills for movies, for film, films, and um, I was a still photographer for a really cool movie that I did a few years ago with uh, David Carradine. Um, I was on the set uh, photographing Al Pacino in a movie many years ago. Nice. Um, I did stills for a movie um, about, uh, it was a movie about Phil Spector. Mm -hmm. Um, I've shot a lot of film stills, which is very exciting. I love doing that. And, uh, in fact, I had the the good fortune of meeting Steve Shapiro, one of the greatest uh, still photographers of all time. He photographed, uh, he did the stills for Taxi Driver. Uh, He did the stills for, I believe, for The Godfather. Um, A whole lot of great uh, films. So that's, you know, that's a whole field of photography in itself. And let me ask you this. How are you finding these gigs? Are because of your reputation and all your work, this one thing leads to the next? It's mostly word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a very large Rolodex, so I stay in touch with uh, people as best I can. Yes. And I think most photographers have this experience where you just have to keep your name out in front of everybody. That's right. That's uh, right. Now, I don't think that Annie Leibovitz has to work at keeping her name out in front of everybody. <laughs> I mean, she's the top of the heap, and yes. uh, people know her name. But I think most working photographers, um, if you just you know keep reminding people, I'm here, uh, this is my newest work, I'm shooting this, I'm shooting that. I also do quite a lot of uh, fashion photography or portfolio photography for models. Um, 
And, uh, and of course, in L.A., everyone needs a headshot. That's right. So I'm doing headshots all the time. Are you doing digital headshots? Most of the photography is digital. Mm-hmm. And it looks great. It does. It's interesting. And Nobody then... uses a black and white headshot no. anymore, though. Oh, no. And then it changed to, uh, you know, then we get Photoshopped. And then yes. it went back to the casting agent saying, don't Photoshop. You want to look the way you really look. That's correct. You know, you want to keep it real. That's true. Uh, there's uh, nothing worse than uh, an actor going in for a, an audition and the casting agent goes, are you the person <laughs> whose name is on this 8 by 10 Right. Right. When I first moved here, I actually was doing some on-camera stuff and voiceover and I had black and white photos taken. I was living in Boston, and then that switched, and then I had color taken, and then I decided I'd switch photographers, and I didn't realize it at the time, but this guy really didn't know what he was doing. He, and somebody pointed out to me, he said, the person who pointed out said, there's too much light in your face. Look at these photographs. And I didn't realize when I got it back, but you could you could see that my face was too white that there was just he didn't know how to light the room and what he was doing and you really don't understand that till somebody points it out to you yeah and i i hope that helped things and turned things around for you it did i i ended up going uh back to the original person who who i can tell because i would get more calls the shots were very real they were just very candid and very relaxed and you know, it was really cool. We're going to take a quick break, Jimmy. We're talking with Jimmy Steinfeld, rock and roll photographer. I don't know if that's your only title. How would you, if you were going to title yourself, what would you say you do? Because you do so many amazing things. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a perfect, well, it's, um, that's practically what it says in, in the title, Jimmy Steinfeld, rock and roll lens. Rock and roll lens. Uh, so music photographer, rock and roll photographer, any, any term you, you choose. Janine is cool with The me. envy of so many. I mean, you just basically, quick question, do you just get to just walk into any show, any concert, and be like, oh, yeah, here's my ID, and I'm here to take photos? Many shows I can. Mm-hmm. I usually call ahead. That's great. That's so cool. Just call ahead. Hey, I'm here to shoot, you know, Elton John. <laughs> and he's in the book. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, hang tight. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back more with Jimmy Steinfeld. I'm Janine. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. On this show, do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust. Call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. Go, Caleb! Come on, hit a homer, Jesse! Let's go, guys! Hey, did you guys know that kids who play sports earn more money when they grow up? (laughs) 
Of course. I I knew that. Hey, did you guys know that kids who read books have a bigger vocabulary? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> wow, Jinx. <laughs> did you guys know that friendly children have more friends? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's true. I knew that. Did you guys know that winter babies are better at music? Everyone knows that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. obvious. Oh, hey, guys, did you know that most people think they're using the right car seat for their kid, but they're not? Huh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure I knew that. I'm pretty sure you didn't. Parents who really know it all know for sure that their child is in the right car seat at the right age and size. Visit safercar.gov slash the right seat to make sure your child is protected. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Can you tell if these vegetables are being contaminated with bacteria that could cause paralysis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Use different cutting boards so that the bacteria in raw meats and seafood and their juices doesn't touch prep surfaces for other foods, like veggies. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick, or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by separating raw meats and seafood from other foods. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Hi there, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine, and we are back with celebrity rock and roll photographer Jimmy Steinfeld. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, how are you? Good, good. So I'm really excited. I want to talk about... Your book that is coming out, tell me about that. Well, uh, for a number of years, I had thought about doing a book on my photography, and um, I finally went for it. And it's uh, basically just being released now, and it's called Jimmy Steinfeld, Rock and Roll Lens, 30 Years of Music Photography and Stories. Congratulations. What an accomplishment. So this is basically a compilation of all the shots you've taken over the years? That's correct. Oh, so from New York to California and everywhere else? Yes. Um, I can tell you if you want to. I could tell you who's in the book. Tell me. Okay. I'm going to do it alphabetical. Okay. And I'm going to do it quickly. All right. And here we go. Here's who's in my new book. Aerosmith, Beck, Chuck Berry, David Bowie, James Brown, Cab Calloway, Johnny Cash, Eric Clapton, George Clinton, Elvis Costello, John Cougar Mellencamp, Cheryl Crow, Miles Davis, Bob Dylan, The Eagles, The Firm, The Go-Go's, The Grateful Dead, Guns N' Roses, Hole, John Lee Hooker, Michael Jackson, Elton John, Cindy Lauper, Madonna, Marilyn Manson, Paul McCartney, Stevie Nicks, Nirvana, Dolly Parton, Les Paul, Tom Petty with Bob Dylan, Robert Plant, Prince, R.E.M., The Ramones, Keith Richards, The Rolling Stones, Frank Sinatra with Sammy Davis Jr., Rod Stewart, The Stray Cats, George Thorogood, Tina Turner, U2, Stevie Ray Vaughan, The Who, Tammy Wynette, Warren Zevon, and ZZ Top. Okay, two words, dream job. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need an assistant? <laughs> sure, you can come wow. with me and shoot. 
Oh my gosh, Jimmy. You know, you're talking to somebody that used to, I grew up in New York and I used to just hang out in my room listening to WPLJ with my albums, cranking up the music. Just, I would love to have gone to these shows. I mean, unbelievable. Each experience, were you just in awe and just feeling so blessed? I was. And as a matter of fact, not only is the book, uh, the pictures, each picture has a story that goes with it. And their stories, if I may say so, are uh, some are funny, mm-hmm. some are embarrassing, some are uh, melancholy. Some, I mean, they just cover the, the whole uh, gamut of emotions and experiences that I've had uh, meeting and working with these various people. So back up a second. So these stories are written in your perspective, or did you actually get to interview or meet any of these people? They're my perspective. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're recounting when I met them or recounting something about how they or their music influenced me through the years. And um, I, I could read you one real short Please, one. go ahead. Okay. I'd love it. So here's a story that goes with the Eric Clapton picture. Who I love. Well, yeah. he's Eric Clapton. EC is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, here we go. Er, the Eric Clapton story. I took Jean, one of my models, to an Eric Clapton show. On the way, she told me how excited she was because she loved Tom Petty. We're going to see Eric Clapton, I explained. <laughs> Eric Clapton, Tom Petty, same thing, she said. I think not. And I realized she had no idea who this musical genius was. As we drove, I gave her a brief history lesson. We had excellent concert seats, and after I had photographed the first three songs of the concert, I returned to our seats, but Gene wasn't there. After the show was over and nearly everyone had left, here struts Gene from backstage. Here's your backstage pass, Jimmy, (laughs) she said. Follow me. Turned out, during the show, the whole band had been checking her out, and the tour manager hooked her up with passes. So in the end, it was Gene who introduced me to Eric Clapton. Oh, I love it. And wow. there's stories like that throughout the book. Oh, I love it. So it's just like your photo journal. It's like a photo journal, yeah. absolutely. Beautiful. And um, it's at jimmysteinfeld.com, mm-hmm. and the name of the book is Jimmy Steinfeld Rock and Roll Lens. Have you been uh, presenting this book at different events? Have you had a signing? What's I haven't on? had a signing yet. I'm going to have one uh, very soon. Um and exact date, um, I don't know yet, but I'm, I will let you know. Let me know, and I'll post it. And um, uh, some people have said some really nice things um, uh, about the book. Uh, Slash, who I've photographed a number of times through the years, mm-hmm. uh, said some really nice things about it. Um, and uh, uh, David Wilde, the great uh, writer for Rolling Stone and the Academy Awards, wrote, uh, can I tell you what he said? Go it was ahead, really please, funny. Please, tell me. He said, this is David Wilde. Mm-hmm. At its best, rock photography is just like being there, without the gradual hearing loss. (laughs) Jimmy Steinfeld has been there in the trenches, artfully documenting musical history as it was being made. Now you can feel like you were right there with him. Oh, I love it. Congratulations. Thanks. Now tell me, uh, your photographs have been selected for Who Shot Rock and Roll, that exhibit that's going on through October 20th. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I've been uh, added to the slideshow, and um, it's at the Annenberg Space for Photography, which is in Century City. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a magnificent show. I mean, it 
uh, it's called Who Shot Rock and Roll, and it's a photography exhibit of um, many of these legendary photographers that I've admired uh, since I started my career. And uh, it's been going on all summer, and I believe it runs through October 20th. It's free. Nice. To get in. That's unusual. Pardon me? That's unusual. Yeah. It's free. And um, so uh, I would encourage people to go see if they have uh, an interest in uh, photography and or music. It's really a combination of the two. And uh, I'm very honored to have been added to uh, the slideshow. Now, what, there's a show going on uh, Friday, September 28th from 6.30 to 8.30. What is that? Um, I will tell you, that is the... Is that opening night? Uh, it, no, uh, okay. opening night was a couple months ago. All right. But September 28th is um, a, the slideshow that I'm referring to from 6.30 to 8.30. Okay. And uh, my work is going to be in that slideshow. I, if people want to go to that, I think they're going to have to... Uh, contact uh, the Annenberg Space for Photography because that might very well be sold out that particular night. But the show is open to the public, and it's going through, I believe, the 20th of October. And for my listeners that might have just tuned in, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. We're talking with Jimmy Steinfeld, rock and roll photographer, and uh, he's talking about his also his latest book, Rock and Roll Lens, which is uh, being released, and you can find out more on jimmysteinfeld.com. That's Jimmy, with a Y, S-T-E-I-N-F-E-L-D-T.com. Now, you have, um, did you want to tell me anything else about this uh, exhibit? No, I think we've pretty much uh, covered it. Okay, and you have an interesting story about Larry King you were going to share. Yeah. We met uh, at an event he was being honored. That's correct. You and I met at an event where Larry was being honored. So um, I can't remember if it was before the event or after the event, but in any, ev- in any event, mm-hmm. um, I was at uh, Nate and Al's having breakfast one morning in Beverly Hills, well-known, yes. really famous uh, delicatessen, mm-hmm. and sitting right across the counter from me or across the aisle from me <clears throat> was Larry King uh, mm-hmm. with George Slaughter, uh, the creator of Laugh-In and many other great comedy legend uh, things, TV shows and so forth, and award shows. And uh, so, and, and I knew George, and so I said hello, and I said, hello, Mr. King, I'm a great fan of your show. And as you may know, I got a big frock of curly blonde hair. Yes. So Larry King says, hey, I thought Harpo Marx was dead. Oh, my God. So Larry still has a sense of humor, and uh, they. I said, can I take a picture of you guys? Wait, did you mind he said that or no? I, I thought it was funny. Okay. I, 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 you know, it's a humor in the in the uh, tradition of harmless. Groucho Marx and yes. maybe David Letterman. It was harmless, yes. So um, I said, could I take a photo of you guys? Mm-hmm. And these two legendary figures, George Slaughter and Larry King, step outside, and in front of Nate Nails, in front of the sign, I take a picture, and, of course, I sent them uh, each an 8 by 10 Nice. Nice. Oh, that's great. That's great. He was incredible uh, when we met him. He, um, before I got up on stage, I told you I snuck into the green room and got an interview with him, and I was asking him, uh, what do you miss most, since because he, he had, had some heart attacks, and he said, lemon meringue pie. He was, he was just, you know... 
just drooling thinking about that, you know. He's I'm in- surprised he didn't say Carville ice cream. Right. That could have been. He, <laughs> and, of course, you thing. know that from the East Coast. Right. And if you ever have a chance to interview him again, ask him about the Carville ice cream story. Oh, right. There's a story behind that. There's, there's a great story that he used to tell on his radio show. I'd, I'd been listening to him since I was a kid, so it was real fun to meet him. Okay, I'm going to write this down. A Carvel ice cream story. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And so what, what else is going on with you? Not that you probably have any time for anything else. Um, it's uh, the same old thing. I'm just uh, photographing rock and roll. I'm working on uh, album covers. I'm uh, doing a lot of promotion for the book, and I really thank you so much for uh, taking time uh, in your show to uh, speak to me. You're welcome. It took us a while to coordinate, but um, I knew when I met you, I thought it would be very interesting to have you on the show. Yeah, and uh, uh, of course I will be busy with uh, signing, so that's uh, that's going to be happening, and I'll, I'll let you know about that. Um, so I'm concentrating on the book. I'm getting uh, ready for uh, my direct involvement with Who Shot Rock and Roll, um, and uh, just always working on shooting either a new concert or a new record or something like that. That's great. Any advice for people that are in a personal or professional funk that you'd like to share with them? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'll just, I guess I'm just going to repeat something I mentioned earlier. It helped me. Um, I, I knew what my goal was. And for me, it's, and I do this every day, by the way, um, I write, uh, I, I make lists. I'm a list maker. And every night before I go to bed, I make a list of my long-range goals, and I make a list of what I need to do tomorrow. I like that. And the long-range goal list, I really don't need to make that list. I just need it sitting on my desk, and I just kind of look at it each day because it doesn't change too much. (laughs) But the daily list helps me uh, see. Uh, Maybe that's because I'm a you know, so uh, influenced by, uh, uh, that's why I'm a photographer. Visual, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word visual. Okay. Thank you, Janine. <laughs> and so when I can look at a list that's got 10 things on it that I want to accomplish tomorrow, a bunch of phone calls or in-person meetings or this or that or errand, whatever it is, I know I'm not going to get all that done tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But there's the list. And I'm going to have fun crossing the things off tomorrow as I get them done. It does, by the way, it does make you feel good to cross those things yeah. off. It's like, oh, And then yeah. things carry forward. So I do that every day. And, and that uh, kind of helps me realize I've accomplished something, some of them big, mm-hmm. most of them small each day. Um, and then the other thing, and I mentioned it earlier, is I try to get outside and walk around, bike, something outdoors every day. That's good. That's good. Because that keeps you even keel, I know, for me. You just have to do something. And, and also, I don't know about you, but I kind of solve some problems sometimes when I'm out by myself, swimming, walking, whatever. Absolutely. You know? Well, great. That's good advice. Do you have a mantra? Not really. Um, or a quote that you love? Or uh, Well, I, I will tell you about a mantra that right. I just heard about that was really funny. Okay. Um. A few days ago at the uh, Who Shot Rock and Roll exhibit, um, there was a wonderful lecture by one of my favorite photographers, Lynn Goldsmith. And uh, Lynn came in from New York to do this lecture last week. 
And she said that many years ago, she got, and she had photographed by this time all kinds of legendary people, but she got a phone call. She had to get over to a recording studio immediately because she had the opportunity to photograph Bob Dylan. Nice. And Bob Dylan was her favorite artist, and she'd been a fan since she was a kid and so forth. So she was so excited. She, of course, she grabbed her camera bag. She hopped in a cab, and she said she was so excited she, she had to kind of get herself ready for this experience. <laughs> so on the way to the photo shoot, she said, I, I started to do a mantra. And uh, she just had to convince herself that she was finally going to be able to shoot uh, and take pictures of Bob Dylan. So she's, she's saying, I'm going to shoot Bob Dylan. I, I'm going to shoot Bob Dylan. I'm going to shoot Bob Dylan. I'm gonna... And the cab driver pulled over and said, get out of my car. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a nut who's going to shoot Bob you Dylan. You wacko. <laughs> she had to explain, no, I'm a photographer. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was so funny. Oh, that is so funny. And she funny. had all kinds of great stories. Oh, I love uh, it. But that, when you asked about a mantra, I don't know that I have a mantra, that's but okay. that story came to mind. I had to share it. That is funny. That is so funny. Well, Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on the show. And again, throughout your website, if you will. Yes, it's jimmysteinfeld.com, and you were kind enough to spell it out. I'll do it quickly. Okay. Uh, J-I-M-M-Y-S-T-E-I-N-F-E-L-D-T.com, jimmysteinfeld.com. And anybody that wants to uh, can learn more about my book or purchase it at that website. Sounds great. And also, if they want to come by the exhibit, Who Shot Rock and Roll, that is at the Annenberg Space for Photography through October 20th. and But your exhibit, which probably is sold out, but they can find out more by visiting AnnenbergSpaceForPhotography.org. That's correct. Great. Thanks so much, Jimmy, and have a great, great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Great. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. If you want more information about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send me an email to Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. I'm here every Monday at 9. And that's a wrap. Up next, Cure for the Blues with Sheldon Abbott. Have a great Monday, everybody. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roamed freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you.